Hello and welcome to episode three of the Baseball Backroads Podcast. Thank you to everyone who downloaded episode two of the podcast and welcome to new listeners from Australia. That now puts the podcast on three continents, North America, Europe, and Australia, which is really exciting. Uh, We continue to be really pleased and humbled by the amount of engagement the podcast is getting. But of course, we always want to grow the audience if we can. So if you haven't already, please subscribe to the podcast. And if you have a minute, leave us a rating and review. You could also share the podcast with a friend if you enjoy it. We'd really appreciate that. I tend to think that uh, word of mouth is maybe the best way to grow an audience. So, So if you enjoy the podcast, please feel free to pass it along. You can also follow us on Instagram at Baseball Backroads, where we'll share some podcast-related content, but just also general baseball content and even some personal content from my baseball journey, if that is of interest to you. If you did follow, if you do follow us on Instagram, you may have noticed I took a little road trip recently. I went three days through Pennsylvania and hit three different games, three different ballparks in three different days, which was a, a lot of fun. On uh, day one, I went to Harrisburg, Pennsylvania to see the Harrisburg Senators, which is a double-A affiliate for the Washington Nationals. Uh, that night, I got to see Dylan Cruz, who was the second overall pick for the Nationals in this year's draft in action. Um, day two, went over to Altoona Curve in Altoona, Pennsylvania to see that team in action. That was a pretty unique ballpark. Um, don't think I've ever seen a ballpark with a roller coaster uh, right outside the right field fence. Uh, so that was a uh, pretty unique feature. I would say uh, both of those ballparks are great places to visit if you're in the area and you have some time. They really uh, captured the the magic of minor league baseball, which I think if you're a listener of this podcast, you would appreciate. And so if you're in those areas, I definitely recommend visiting visiting those, those ballparks and those teams and uh, really uh, experiencing uh, the games uh, there uh, really, was in, really was exciting and encouraged to see the amount of engagement from the fans there and the excitement around the there and how into the game a lot of the fans were um so that was that was really really cool to see and then day three of the road trip i left the back roads and went up to the see the pittsburgh pirates play got to see uh jordan wicks of the cubs the pirates opponent that night make his major league debut so that was that was a lot of fun, um, but then yeah, just overall, it was a really, really great weekend of baseball and a lot of fun. And I was very encouraged by the amount of fan excitement in all three of those locations. I'm sure, again, as a listener of the podcast, you're probably as aware as I am of a lot of the the stats on fan engagement and and attendance and the decline of viewership or the increased age of the average viewer of Major League Baseball, but. Um, I didn't see any decline at all over the last week. I saw three really engaged fan bases who are really excited about baseball in their cities and about their teams and stadiums. And so I think that's very encouraging and uh, was really, really great to see. So again, if you're you're in those areas, definitely recommend seeing games at those ballparks. Uh, I think you would enjoy it as much as I did. But on to the podcast episode. So today's episode features Andy Berglund. Uh, Most recently, Andy served as the manager for the South African national team in the World Baseball Classic qualifier in Regensburg, Germany. And he's also coached in Europe, serving as a manager for the Prague Eagles in the Czech Republic. He's coached the Czech national team and the Belgian national team. Andy has spent a couple decades now playing and coaching in Europe and is probably the best person to listen to if you're interested in learning about European baseball or international baseball competition generally. 
Andy's also an old friend, uh, and it had been a little while since we spoke, so it was great catching up with Andy. So I hope you enjoy my conversation with Andy Berglund on The Backroads. Good to talk to you, man. It's been a while. It has been a while. What What do you think? It's been since Czech Republic, since we saw each other? Yeah, I think I saw you last at the 2012 European Championships when you were coaching the Czech team. That's crazy, man. Well, happy uh, 11-year anniversary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, man. No worries. Yeah. So uh, uh, you're in Nashville now, huh? Yep. Um, I've been in Nashville about three years. So Okay. You liking it? I, I am. Yeah. It's, the city's booming. Um, yeah. A bunch of people have moved in in the last three, four years. So I'm one of them. And uh, I love it, man. It's I'm a big music guy, so living in Music City has is, is been pretty cool. Oh, well, you're in the right place then. <laughs> yes, sir. Yeah, man. Yep. Yeah, how's, cool. How's life on your end? Where Are you still in the state of Mississippi, or where are you? No, I um I moved up to the D.C. area back in 2020. Okay. Yeah, I got married in 2020, moved to D.C. in 2020, got a baby awesome. girl coming in October. Wow. So yeah, we got uh I got I'm sitting here looking at three or four baby books that I got on my uh <laughs> on my reading list to wow. to get through a little bit before then. So uh Good but yeah, man. Yeah, we're yeah. Yeah, we're we've been we've been blessed the last few years, so things are going well. It's a great area up there. Have you been able to go uh catch any of the uh Nats games or anything? Uh yeah, I've been to the Nats, uh been to see the Orioles a few times. Camden Yards is yeah, probably the best park I've ever been to. It's awesome. And they're winning, you know. They're oh, they're I know. Really good yeah. ahead of schedule. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I, I didn't realize how much professional baseball was in Maryland and Pennsylvania. I'm not very far from Pennsylvania, but yeah. there are so many minor league and independent league teams in yeah. in Maryland and, and Pennsylvania. So I'm actually uh, my wife gave me uh, permission. I'm going to take a quick little three day road trip through Pennsylvania and hit some of the minor league parks oh, before, before the baby comes. <laughs> that's fantastic. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. Well, um. I want to get a little nostalgic maybe later on and talk a little 2010s, 2011 Czech baseball. Okay. But sure. um, I was just checking out your Facebook, kind of prepping for the interview. And I mean, I knew you traveled. That yeah. was part of your job. But man, you have been all over the place yeah. just in the last few years. So I was just looking and looks like just in June, you were in the Netherlands, Britain, Sweden, and Germany all in one month. And then yep. coaching in South Africa, coached their national team the last several years, Belgium yep. in the European Championship. Like I said, that's all in just like the last three years or so. So maybe just kind of kick us off. Give us a quick rundown of kind of what you do and how you get to travel to all these awesome places and coach baseball. Uh, yeah. Well, first of all, like I, um, I, I kind of didn't expect it was going to go this way. You know, like I had no idea that like the next 20 years of my life after college, I would wind up doing all this stuff overseas and then being blessed to be able to go to Europe and Africa as much as I have, um, especially these last 20 years. So out of college, I went to University of Minnesota and I just kind of had made the decision I was going to go to grad school or law school. And then uh, I had this opportunity to go to London that summer. So this goes way back 20, 2001 and was really lucky to get a like summer job through Major League Baseball over there where they were trying to promote the game in schools all over the UK. And uh, I don't even, um, I mean, I was just in the right place at the right time and did it for a summer, lived in the city of London when I was like 24 years old for the summer. And then it just kind of opened my eyes to this whole different world of baseball that was across the Atlantic, you know? 
yeah. And it just it just snowballed, to be quite honest, it snowballed into doing it over and over again for more summers in Germany. And then I like I, I continued on and played a season in Australia because I was still playing. And I just it sparked me to see if I could make um, kind of a lifestyle out of it. Because, I mean, I, obviously my family's all over uh, the U.S., but I was really drawn to Europe as a culture, which we'll probably talk about. Cause I know, I know probably when you went over there too, it's just, it's so unique. Yeah. And then you find, you find that baseball is such a unique sport over there that you want to do everything you can to help the people involved. Yeah. And that's, that's what happened, man. That's what happened. And then fast forward, I got a full-time job for major league baseball where my, my literal territory was all of Europe and Africa. Um, so they would send me around to do a lot of, roving instruction and coach coaches coach players do development and then for the last seven years um after major league baseball i've been scouting internationally for the milwaukee brewers so oh nice same territory man so i've been uh that trip i just got back from in june that was a big part of that i was looking for players at showcases that they had in germany and london um i did some developmental work up in sweden and then i finished uh in holland looking at the dutch academy players so as, as you said, I've been blessed, man. It's It's been really cool to, yeah, uh, for sure. to experience all that. The people, the cultures, the baseball, um, a lot of stories and a lot of, a lot of miles, you know, a lot of, a lot of Delta sky miles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I bet, I bet so. Yeah. Um, yeah. So maybe just kind of talk about, you mentioned the uniqueness of, of baseball in Europe. Maybe if you could uh, kind of expand on that and maybe talk a little bit about some of the differences between the American game and the European game. Um, I mean, it started like even when I went to, uh, I'm trying to think, like even the London, like right now, London uh, and the UK has gotten better and better because they started to bring those MLB games over. So there's, yeah, I saw you were at the London series. That's that was awesome. Yeah. Anybody that gets a chance to do that, go do that. I mean, they uh, did do a great job. They hosted at Wembley Stadium. It's packed. The players and the teams, like this year, it was the, the Cubs and the Cardinals. And, feedback from the teams is, is, is how much they love it, you know? So they're getting a little taste of what you and I did, you know, right. they're getting a few days where I was able to do it for years and years, but it's, it's just, it's on a different level. It's, it's facilities over there. Like there was no fields to really even use that were proper when I first got to the UK and now they built a facility West of London called Farnham park. It's got a couple fields and it's, it's a legitimate playing surface. But like even stuff like that, where it's really more of a mom and pop type of feel mm-hmm. with the baseball, the clubs, you start out, you know, in Europe, you start out with a club. Like I was with the Prague Eagles for a couple of years when I met you. Oh, yeah. And, I remember uh, it well. Yeah. I was with the Prague Eagles. And when, when you're five years old, you go there, you get a jersey that says Prague Eagles on the front, your name and number on the back. And then basically you're with that club all the way until you decide to stop playing if you choose, you know? Right. It's not like here in the U.S. where you go through um, different club balls, travel ball teams, uh, high school, um, college, like change around a lot. Like once you're in a club, you're in a club and it's pretty cool. Like they keep it really tight knit. And um, so facility wise, just um, I mean, I'm sure you remember, too. Sometimes you go to a game and uh, there's not that many people at a game. It's just there's not. Oh, yeah. There's not that many people cheering you on. So you're like, man, I wish there was a crowd here. And uh, so the popularity grew and grew more and more over the last 20 years as well. Cause this it's, it's catching on uh, more and more in, 
in some of these countries. I've been to great baseball games in Germany and Holland and uh, the Czech where there'll be be a lot of fans. So uh, it depends on the club itself and how they promote the game and promote the team. But it's quite different, man. We're we're a behemoth. We've, when, you, when I fly back into the States, I see all the baseball fields, you know, from the, the plane. And when I fly over to Europe, I don't see a lot of baseball fields when I'm landing. Right. Soccer yeah. fields and a lot of soccer fields. Let's put it that way. Big difference. So. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, I like what you mentioned about the when you're five years old as a European player, you join your club. And actually kind of I really liked that about how they manage baseball. And I kind of I've actually thought through a few times how we could mimic that because I, I, I kind of think that's a little better. Um, I don't know. What do you, do you what do you think about that rising up with the same club up I, into I, your high school age? I'm I'm for it. I'm I'm still an old school baseball guy, man. Like I I love when a player um, is able to stay with the same team for his career. You know, like the old oh, school yeah. days. Uh, I was a big Cal Ripken Jr. fan. And he stuck it out with the Orioles all those years. Kirby Puckett with the Twins. You know, and it's tough these days, like with with free agency and a lot of money and everything that gets thrown at players. But I'm kind of still that uh, that diehard. Like, man, if I'm going to play for one team, I want to give it my all for my entire career. So I've had like some of those guys that you played against in Czech. There's a there's a guy that pops into my head named Jan Homoka, who started when he was a kid and he played all the way till he was 40. And he wore the colors of green and white for 35 years, you know. Oh, wow. That's pretty cool, man, if that you think cool. about it. And then yeah. he becomes a legend of the club. He gives back to the club. His kids start to play for the club. And there's like that, like I was talking about, that tight family feeling. Um, and then uh, it's just, it's it's really unique. You can change you can change travel ball teams in the U.S. five times before you get to high school, you know? Oh, for sure, so yeah. It's just, it's a different feel. And I, I like it because it's, it's, it's a sense of, uh, a sense of just this is my club. I'm going to give everything to this club I can and uh, stay stay true to it. I loved it. Oh, yeah. You know, I entirely agree with the family aspect of that. I mean, those those clubs are so tight-knit, even the the fans from like management to players. And I almost felt – I was like, I don't – like, they, and they were so welcoming of yeah. me both when I was in Czech and Germany. It's like, I don't know if I deserve this level of respect <laughs> to begin with. Like, they just love you from the beginning. Yeah, and it's it's really a special thing to be brought into, and so you actually you really want to perform for those guys once you get over there, and when and then every now and then when you don't, you're like, ah, let everybody down. But yeah, um, yeah, but yeah, yeah. I'm so, thinking specifically at the club that you were at out in Ostrava. Mm -hmm. You know, I became friends with Radim Kapek, the guy. Oh, he's I, the best. You know what I mean? And that's your first reaction is my same reaction. Like I've uh, had him come to the U.S. and hosted him out in California because I was like, of course he can come stay you know okay. but he would did the same for me when i was over there and he would tell all those stories like going back to like what's the uniqueness of these places he said we used to like back in the old days when ostravas first started you might know this story like they would they didn't have bases you know they would like mm. throw down he was telling me they were throwing down like petrified you know different things just to, oh wow you know what i mean to have yeah. bases back in the day and then wow. going through the communist era and different things the stories he would tell up in the clubhouse and at the restaurant, I was just captivated. Yeah. So you want to give back to guys like that because they've given their whole life to a very unique sport in, uh, in their country. Don't get a lot of recognition for it. So, you know, you, of course you want to give back.
Oh, for sure. Yeah. No, yeah. Redeem is that guy's he's the man. I mean, yeah. he's such a big personality. I loved I loved listening to that guy tell stories. He was the best. And um, I was I was super happy uh because of all the work. I mean, he was he was trying really hard all those years to win a championship. And then when Ostrava did, right. Yeah. I felt the best for himself, uh Jacob Malik. Um, oh, Peter I love that. Uh the best. Yeah, those guys, but th that started when they were little kids at the club, right. you know. And then what some of those record? kids on that pitching staff, um, I'm thinking like Thomas Andra and um, yep. I'm, I'm blanking on his name. His dad was in the management. Daniel was his first name. Um, yep. But they were on that pitching staff, and I had actually coached those guys when I was there in, in 2011. That cool? And yep. that was like, was like, man. And like you could see back then they had so much raw talent, but just and a little bit different from the state. Sometimes the development yep. isn't always there, but they did. And I was – yeah, I was pumped for those guys. I, I sent uh, Kuba Malik a message. I was like, hey, man, congrats. Yeah. Because on one of their uh, announcements for a playoff game, they were trying to advertise. They had a picture of me yeah. on, the, on their yeah. website. I was like, hey, man, like, <laughs> I appreciate it. That's cool, but like, yeah. I, I have nothing to do with this. <laughs> You're still yeah. a poster child for that club, yeah, man. Yeah. You know? no, Take they, good photos. Yeah. They're, they're yeah. the best, though. Yeah. So um, you got over to Europe, and you started off as a player, right? You played in Sweden. And so maybe yeah, just talk, yeah, yeah. Talk through how you your playing career over there. I wound up. Uh, that was also. I didn't even know what to expect um, in terms of the league. So my first league was actually in the UK. I played for a team okay. just outside of London called the Windsor Bears, and I ran into some of those guys actually this summer. It was fun to talk about because that's now going back twenty years. Um, mm. And we would play just a domestic league. There'd be clubs in London and north of London and all the way down south to Brighton. Uh, on the coast of uh, the UK and stuff. So I, I got a taste of it then. And then uh, I came back and played a couple summers in Sweden, um, which be, has become like a second home for me. If I, if I ever go back to Europe, uh, I've got as close to a second family there as I can imagine back here, you know? So I keep going back and had like great, great summer experiences playing there. And then I got into coaching. Uh, our club team that I was with, uh, first, I was with a club called the Albi Stars, and then I was with the, uh, the Stockholm Monarchs, they're called now. But we wound up winning a Swedish championship in 2008. Nice. It was the first time they'd won, and it was the same thing. Super, super tight-knit, a Klaassen family that had started the club. Um, two of my closest friends in the world, the Johannesson brothers, were on that team. And uh, we finally brought them a championship. And then uh, I was so banged up from injuries. I was like, I'm I'm. I'm going out on top, man. So, <laughs> yeah. Yes. That was, yeah. That was it. I was, I was like, I think 30 at the time in my career. Oh, wow. Good for you, man. Playing that was, long, though. Yeah, it was. Well, I mean, and I, it was, I was just beat up. I was like a torn, I had a torn meniscus. I would crack ribs. I was like, okay, Oof. I got to figure out something that is a lot less painless. You know? <laughs> yeah. For sure. Coach coaching's mentally can be very painful, but. Oh, I went into coaching and development and uh, it was a, it actually, it worked out. That's why we're having this conversation about all these trips. Cause I got, got into coaching right after that. I, I went and refocused on coaching high school ball in California and then got rehired to come back to Europe. So it was a good, good move. Yeah. So what was your first, first uh, coaching gig over in Europe? Um, full time. I want to uh, doing these envoy MLB envoy experiences in Germany and Czech and then my actual first uh, head coaching job was with the Prague Eagles. So when you met me, oh, okay. When you met me um, in 2011 and 2012, I coached those 
those guys um, for two years. At the same time, I was also as the the Czech Republic yeah. national team coach. So yeah. I was juggling a lot of stuff. Um, pretty busy living in Prague, uh, and we we wound up having like some really good success that first couple of years. Our, our Czech Republic juniors won the silver medal, and then <clears throat> I think you probably were at that game. Remember when the Czech seniors beat Holland in Holland in the European Championships in 2012? Um, was, no, yeah, I was I was in Germany then, but yeah, I, I remember okay. following it through like social media and stuff. Yeah, so that that early success um, that we were able to have the coaching staff and players, I think, I think it was a really good Kickstarter because they always, like you were saying, they always had this immense talent and big bodied, athletic guys, but they hadn't won a significant game in seniors like that, and they hadn't medaled, I don't think, in juniors at that point. So. Right. Fast forward 10 years later, and now they have done such a really good job of organizing that talent, building up coaches and young players that they were going to the Little League World Series. They're doing a bunch of stuff in the States. Guys are getting signed. Senior team is doing really well going to World Baseball Classic now. And then their facilities, like they just improved and improved and improved and got funding and did a great job with their media. It's just night and day. Yeah. The last 10 years, what they've been able to do. So yeah, I like to think back on like just having a small part of some of that early success is like you guys can win. You can definitely win. You just have to keep consistent with uh, what we were trying to do. Right. Yeah. That's you mentioned the tracking the stuff on some of their uh, social media and getting the message out. That's one thing I've been doing recently trying to I took a, a bit of a hiatus from baseball. Uh, uh, once you stop playing, uh, you may have gone through this a little bit, too, but it's. Well, you went right into coaching, so maybe not. But I left. I left the game, so it was hard to watch sometimes, not being yeah. a part of it. Yeah. Um, but I'm really starting to get back into it. That's kind of one of the motivations for the podcast and stuff is just trying to rediscover some of the joy that the game brought. Um, but just seeing how the access they get now through social media and just YouTube channels and all that kind of stuff is awesome yeah. to see those guys get that exposure and to be yeah. able to kind of reach out through Instagram and follow them all along. Like I'm following European baseball now and I got the, the um, arrows Strava and all that stuff nice. on my Instagram now. So yeah, it's great to keep up with those guys. Um, but I'm glad you mentioned uh, the Prague Eagles. I remember playing against you and, yeah. uh, and just, so, it was just so much fun. You know, you, you, we just had such a good time and um, the competition was always, you know, top notch, but after the game, you know, we're just like hanging out and, you know, grabbing a, a yeah. beer because every restaurant, every uh, field <laughs> seemed to have a restaurant right next to it, ready to, yeah. ready to serve as soon as the, the final out yeah. was made. Yeah. Um, but I also remember um, the the five paragraph essays you'd be writing about umpire critiques after those games <laughs> on your scorecard. <laughs> uh, yeah, I just you know it's funny. In when I was in Germany, I um, the Czech had brought over a young team to play in this uh, showcase tournament. So Peter Cech was there coaching. If you can imagine Peter Cech coaching now. Oh, man. Wonderful. Talk, you know? talk about another big personality there. Huge personality, but wonderful with kids. I like our oh, coach. I, I, thought he was, yeah. I thought he was brilliant. Yeah. But we were joking about it because I was just like, man, I don't even – I don't know if like uh, – because my last experience with the Eagles, I wound up getting kicked out of game one against the – Drazzi Bruno in the, the finals. Oh, no. And I wound up getting basically suspended for the rest of the series because uh, it's a long story, but I, they had claimed I was trying to coach from the outside and stuff. So I wound up getting, oh, wow. 
I want him getting suspended. And I like I was joking. I was like, I wonder if that suspension is still valid. Like I wonder <laughs> ten years later try to come back. Ten years later, to the yeah. Tech yeah, if I have to sit out those uh, I have to sit out the first three games. games. <laughs> oh man. Uh, yeah. it, was, it wasn't funny at the time because I no, was really, I bet. really trying to beat Drazi. Oh yeah, but, which is just to give anyone listening a little bit of context, I think the f- the year I was there in 2011, uh, Drazi Bruno had won like 16 in a row yeah. league championships. And I think uh, Technica yep. Bruno won the year I was there in yep. 2011. And then yep. you guys were fighting them in 2012 there. But yeah. I mean, they're a powerhouse. I mean, like not even New York Yankees level <laughs> dominance when yeah. it comes to Czech baseball. And they're, they're yeah. back. Yep. Back in the finals. Uh, starting next week against tempo like did you ever like play tempo tempo i think it was like a second division team when they were, were they were yeah so um yeah the real whole relegation it's baseball um again just kind of for anyone not familiar with european baseball is like the relegation is almost like soccer over there yeah um, remember correctly yeah tempo was a second league team we yeah. actually had some of their players on our top league team um because of that so they would play they would play for both yeah yeah um, to, go, to go back to the umpiring there, there was a few in particular that i was just maybe because there was one and uh i I loved the umpire we were actually like we were actually good friends off the field but he constantly would flinch on curveballs so like oh he no never, he could never and we had a, a guy a lefty named mate who that threw a great 12-6 curveball but it made the umpire flinch and <laughs> oh by the time he got like reset like he was you know he couldn't call it yeah like, Come on, man. Yeah, that was that was the yeah that was the hardest thing to adjust to because and I remember talking to you about this and you kind of crystallized it for me a little bit but these guys they don't grow up the umpires don't grow up playing no. so they don't it's not intuitive for them no. um, and so everything they know about baseball and calling games is from the class few classes they've taken before yep. they get into real action and so they don't have kind yep. of that intuitive sense of knowing what a curveball is how it's supposed to move and kind of being able to recognize it and all that kind of stuff and so that was yep. a real challenge. Yeah, and I, I agree with that 100%. Like, there's some really good ones over there that really have developed, and, and some of them have come over and done stuff in the U.S. or when they're doing, like, uh, World Baseball Classics or World Cups. They earn earn that spot by being good umpires in Europe. Um, but like you said, it's not a DNA thing, you know? Like, the, the mm-hmm. sport, it's not like every day it's in their society, so they kind of have to learn it as they go um, by what they can see. But I can specifically remember I was asked to go and evaluate the the French umpires one time at the Challenge de France, right? And uh, oh wow, I loved it. I was like, I'm for sure doing this now. Oh I'm yeah, literally like not you know get suspended for critique, <laughs> you know. Now so someone's I paying I me to out. do this. <laughs> <laughs> I went out in center field and uh, brought my video camera and kind of filmed from back there just to show them their K zone, their strike zone, and then. Okay. I was able to put it up on a screen and there was like, you know, eight, eight umpires. And sometimes like they would call a ball or something so out of the zone that their faces would turn red. I I would be like, I was like, you guys have to understand that's, that's what's going on and why we turn red sometimes. And then you guys kick us out. Like you have to understand these strike calls or some of the decisions you make do make our blood curl. So just a visual for them. It was pretty cool to do that because I'd never done that before. Okay. Um, and it was good to to kind of talk to the umpires about what they go through because it's not easy, man. Like even I'm I'm working a lot with the AAA Nashville Sounds now, and they've switched. Oh, great. They've switched over to minor leagues. It's got either the automatic balls and strike system. Have mm-hmm. you seen any minor league games this year? So I have. They're actually 
yeah, they're 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 calling more and more um, balls and strikes just automated. It's not the umpire. Oh no way! He hears it in his ear. Yeah, and then they also have like a three challenge rule. So if uh, either the pitcher or the catcher, the hitter doesn't think the pitch was a strike, he can challenge it. And then within five seconds, up on the video board, it shows if it was a ball or strike. So it's making you know that strike zone a lot more um, legit. If that okay. makes sense. Yeah, for sure. So it's it's pretty cool how they're using technology to fine tune the strike zone. But yeah. on the flip side, man, like you're you're gonna lose a lot of that um, that stuff where you're yelling at um you're you're yelling at umpires. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, I've I've thought that too. I'm like, man, like I, I mean, getting the call right is important, and but sometimes just lighting up an umpire is a lot of fun. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Sometimes he needs to wear it. Like Aaron Boone. Yeah. I think Aaron Boone got kicked out again. Yeah. He, he mimicked to last Diaz's strikeout call. I was like, that was yeah. legendary. That's going to be on <laughs> clips forever. The guy, I've been watching a lot of clips of the, the Cincinnati Reds manager, David Bell. Man, he gets into it. Oh, he, uh, he's he gotten kicked out a bunch of times, too. Oh, boy. The fans, the fans like, that's oh, yeah. part of why they like to go. Like, they love to heckle, heckle, right. heckle the umpires. So, oh, yeah. If they wind up, you know, kind of adapting this automatic balls and strikes and challenge rule, it kind of will take away from that, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. But I see it happening just based on how important these, especially playoff games, World Series games, you got to get those calls right, you know? So we shall see. But I, I hope as a purist that uh, there's somehow that umpires can still eject uh, eject players. And injured, so. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. No, I love it, too. Um so your first national team level experience was with Czech. I actually remember, like I said, I watched you guys in the European Championships in 2012. Yep. I was at that game. You guys upset the Dutch team. That was pretty sweet yeah. to watch. Um, several of my yeah. former teammates were also on that team, so I was really pumped. I actually, have, I think I saw pictures of you in the third base coaching box on my Facebook page. Yeah, uh, yeah. coaching that game. That was a lot of fun. Um, and that was a great stadium too um, in Holland. Packed. Yeah, packed um, It was down yeah. in the. In Rotterdam, Rotterdam, yeah, I remember. If if you your your fans uh, and people that are listening to your podcast like ever go watch games like Harlem Baseball Week up near Amsterdam, and then the, okay. the World Port Tournament, like it's in Rotterdam where you saw that game. They are wonderful uh, international tournaments. You know, they bring in teams from like Chinese Taipei, Japan, Italy. Oh wow! U.S. Uh, collegiate national team plays there. Cuba. And then they pack it up like that. That stadium gets filled with three thousand, four thousand Dutch fans singing and dancing, drinking. Yeah, Dutch. They, they have a great awesome. baseball environment. It's like I mean, you can find those in other places on a smaller scale. Like a couple of places I played, Ostrava had we had these like four dudes that would come with their big beer bellies, no, <laughs> not wearing shirts. They call, still there, man. Oh, they call them the hooligans. Yeah, they're yeah, still there. and they were man, they were the biggest fans ever. Um, yeah, but. And then in Germany, we had a we had a pretty decent little following, but uh, it's only the Zoling Alligators when I was there. Yeah, um, and then Great uh, club too. oh Great yeah, there yeah. a lot of history. I actually, I still feel bad because I just, I just, I just struggled that season. I mean, I wasn't bad. You know, you bring yeah. over a foreign player, so you're you're somewhat decent, even if you're not great. But I just remember being like, man, I should have been better for those guys. <laughs> like, well, was there anything? Yeah, like when you think back on it, was there anything that caused you to not have? Was great success. It was it? Yeah. So I, so dumb. I started reading, you know, because you're always looking to improve your training plans and stuff and optimize your routines and all these kind of things. And yep. I just, 
when I was in check, I had a great season. I think, uh, I mean, I, I led the league in innings pitched in complete games. I think I averaged yep. over seven innings a start. Um, yep. Led the league in wins. I mean, just had a great season. Yeah. Lo- loved my team. I mean, everything about the whole experience was awesome. Yep. And then I changed up my my routine the next season trying to be better, but it yeah. wasn't better. And so I just, the my performance on the field was struggled. I mean, I still had a lot of innings pitched and, you know, still went deep into games and we went to the German semifinals. But I just remember thinking if I'd been a little better, you mm. know, we could have, we could have, uh, succeeded. And so, uh, I, as far as kind of regrets go, I mean, that's, that's one of the ones that I have is just, you know, why'd you do that? You know, you had to you just replicate the previous season, you know, yeah. um, yeah. don't, you know, I mean, I, it was good faith, you know, just trying to get better, but it just, it, it didn't work out for me the way that I thought that I did. It did. And then I kind of made the decision halfway through the season to stick with it instead of flipping back thinking yeah. that that would have been as not been a good idea. Yeah, you know, it's kind of like dance with a girl you brought kind of situation. Um, <laughs> but I wish I wish I had been like looked up after you know half you know the halfway mark and you're like got a 500 record and that's not what they bring you over there to do. You know, they bring yeah. you over there to to dominate. Yeah. Um, and I wish I had taken the the couple of weeks that would have taken and struggled through those starts maybe and and to, so I could have finished the last you know quarter third of the season a lot stronger than I did. But yeah. um, but yeah, that's I, th- I think that was kind of kind of what it was. So. You know what? You, like, you you touched on a couple like key things too. Like for me, the the import players, they did like if you got signed to a club over there, there was huge expectations that oh you yeah, were gonna, you were gonna dominate. Like you were the you were the guy. You were the guy we paid money to come over yeah. from. from and they're not bringing you out of the game. Like, no, no. If, if you're still cruising, they're not like, oh, you're at 100 I'm, pitches. It's eighth inning. You can come out. No, no, no. Go to the ninth. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm seeing box scores because you'll see that now. Like the German. Uh, semifinals are coming up and the check finals and stuff you'll see some crazy pitch counts from the imports oh i'm sure you know it's 150 160 pitches yeah. or something sometimes so yeah the, you're expected to go over there and perform and if you don't then it almost is this uh it can get awkward right like oh the, yeah the, the players that you're playing with are i mean they do great documentaries on this uh about the players basically being nine to five workers and doing mm-hmm. jobs away from baseball or still going to school and not getting paid to play and just sacrificing their time. So it can be really challenging as an import because you're like, okay, I'm the only way, only guy getting paid, you know, right. really. Right. So they expect you to perform and they got actually quite better at that. Like, I mean, there's, there's this baseball jobs overseas site that's got a ton of talent that people can pick from and their resumes are great. Um, so these players are coming over to Europe and the clubs can be very selective. And I mean, of course it's guys on paper, but once they get over there, like um, if you do not perform, it's, it's really tough on the club yeah, to ever get to the next level. Oh, for sure. So, and that was, that was kind of Zolingen, um, Cause they had a guy named Andre Hughes who was kind yeah. of, a, I'm sure you know his. Lefty, um, yeah. Yeah. He's, he's, I mean, he's like the Andy Pettit of Germany. He's, I mean, yeah. in fact, Andy Pettit is like the guy he looked up to and emulated and yeah. he was, he's on the national team. I mean, and as you, as you know, pitching wise on some teams, if you can get the, the like domestic player, the German or Czech player who can dominate and then you bring yeah. in a, an import who can dominate, well, you're probably going to win the league that year. Yeah. And, that was how I left feeling was like the weak point was me, you know, cause Andre yeah. dominated yeah. Um, and I didn't. Um, yeah. And so that's kind of what I was alluding to earlier. And it's like, you, you, when you, you, these people are so dedicated to what they do and they bring you yeah. in and make you part of the family. And then when you don't perform to the level, even if it's yeah. good, even by American standards, it's like, 
you know, still solid. It's yeah. not good enough when you go over there. And so you feel like you really let people down. And that's how I felt leaving. Um, yeah. And then I didn't play the next year. So I, I'm kind of left with that. That's what part of, you know, we talked about earlier. Yeah. Sometimes it's hard to watch. I'm kind of left with that regret sometimes because um, I didn't play the next season and I made, you know, transition in a different part of life. But um, I'll yeah. tell you that it's the same. It's the same from the coaching aspect because I would get hired by either country or club um, and they expected me to come in and in uh, the win. I mean, that's our jobs as, as, as managers. We're supposed to win championships and I always was trying to bring a championship to the Prague Eagles in check, but we would run up against Strazzi Bruno and they were just stacked. They were just stacked, right, exactly. And then I'd help out a club team in Germany, the Mines Athletics around my schedule. And I was, oh yeah, yeah. My, you know, my trying good, any, yeah. yeah, trying anything and everything to help those guys in the time that I was there get past at the time, uh, you know, Heidenheim is blown up, yeah. been a champion and we play yeah, we played them in the playoffs that year. Yeah, really, really strong with loaded with uh, German national team players. Good stadium too. Good, good. Video. Yeah, yeah. So like, I was always um, thinking to my. It, it's it, like going back to what you said too. You wind up putting a lot of pressure on yourself to win because you're expected to win. So even when I go, I mean, I'm I'm now coaching the South African national team, and we've been at the last two World Baseball Classic qualifiers trying to get to the big show you know mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and it's a really small baseball country low budget um low facilities like but the players are just fantastic love them to death and want desperately to try to get them to the next level so they get exposure they get their tv time so people are like these guys are playing against you know like the checks they're playing against otani in the classic these guys are <laughs> 95 yeah. workers man that don't get paid and getting the Federation some money so they can develop the game further, you know? So you wind up putting a lot of pressure on yourself to try to get there for the players and for the country. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I, I always leave the experience because we we played a couple tough games against Germany and Spain and got knocked out, and I leave, and it takes me a month to recover and say, man, I should have done this, I should have done yep. that, you know? Oh, I know entirely. I mean, yeah, like that German experience. I mean, I think my ERA was still like two and a half. I mean, still uh, good, you know what I mean? But not yeah. – but not yeah. You know, if we score three runs a game and I give up four, we score, you know, two and they, yeah. you know, it's like, yeah. well, that wasn't good enough, you know, even yeah. if they're unearned, it doesn't matter, yeah. you know. So it's, it's, it's also that pitching, you know, like I, I was looking at the stats of the Miami Marlins had that stud named Sandy Alcantara. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Dominated last year. And then this year his ERA is kind of closer to four or five. Like hitters, hitters are hitters, man. If they can, they could figure you out. Um, you can take an elite pitcher like that, and now he's he's gotten average numbers. So for you to put up numbers like that actually does say something because hitters hitters will eventually figure you out a little bit more than you expected. And for sure, it's, it's a tough game, man. Yeah, it's always going to be a tough game it that is. battle between pitcher and hitter. So yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you mentioned your experience with the South African national team. I was checking out your um, you guys had the qualifier in Regensburg. Um, yeah. That I mean, that's a great European baseball venue at Regensburg. Yeah. So, um, yeah, yeah. I, you mentioned you know you guys camped a little bit short, but uh, maybe just talk a little bit about that experience, kind of what it's like. You know, just kind of go a little bit in depth, kind of what it, what is it like to prepare a team for that kind of event for an international qualifying event like that, and then kind of how was your experience while you were there? Yeah. Uh, first off, just to touch on Regensburg as well, like that that venue has even gotten better. I don't know. Have you? 
you you've been there it was it was i was there in 2012 that was like my last the last time i ever okay. threw a pitch in a competitive competition was at that stadium okay um german semifinals we lost to to regensburg in the semifinals um okay. and uh they had just revamped it because it was later that year was going to be the um qualifying site for the world baseball classic um right. so yeah. they it had like minor league specifications and stuff but yeah it was great okay. then and i'm sure they've only got it. yeah even since then they wound up building uh you know a living um living complex and a restaurant and stuff on that left field side so like it's a it's housing for their academy that's a beautiful building and then underneath the stands they've got a, a weight room like legit weight room and indoor uh, lanes and hitting cages and they just and then they built a second field and they built stuff over on the right side so that thing is since you've seen it is night and day too it's just amazing and I'm, I'm always like uh, bringing them up because like it's a blueprint what can be done over there like mm -hmm. with really good organization uh, and they did a really good job working with the city and everything so I love going back there when I was there in June I just kind of like I just like stop and actually soak it in I was like these guys really did this did it right yeah, yeah did it right and then i i think it motivates other clubs and teams around uh and teams around europe to do the same and see how can we mimic something like this they're hosting right now in austria the under 23s european championships yeah like they, they they built up a really really good complex great field you know like hitting cages restaurant just like we talked about stands and they are deservingly hosting this uh, under 23s because it's a beautiful yep. park. And I think Regensburg is is a good blueprint for clubs and teams like that. So anyway, uh, to the South Africa experience, which is still ongoing, because I'm, I'm hoping uh, we get invited. I think it, the next qualifier will be 2025, so a okay. couple more years to go. Um, but like last year, I went down to south africa uh two different trips i was down i think in may for a few weeks and then i went down uh in august before we brought the team up to germany for the qualifiers so it's 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 an extensive thing to do because you're you're trying to find the 28 best guys you can um all over the world and finding out uh, if you can get passport guys that have parents that were born in south africa or whatever for the classic so what Great Britain and some of these clubs, these teams do is a great job of digging that information up. Yes. And then they bring yeah. just studs, man. Like they they were so loaded. Germany was loaded with a lot of guys with passports and and pro talent, you know. But for us, we had like a guy named Kieran Lovegrove that got as high as triple A, um, that had was born in uh South Africa and then moved to the US and then got drafted and stuff. So we had a couple pro guys ourselves, but majority i think were just amateur guys you know yeah so you go down there and you you motivate these guys by um by training them best you can filming them doing a bunch of off-season programs as best you can throwing programs but also making them like clearly aware that you guys are going to be facing competition that is unlike anything you see down in south africa you right. know oh yeah yeah and like letting them know hey your velo average of the pitchers are there is going to be between 90 and 93 so what are we going to do to prepare for that because we have to be ready to hit that so mm -hmm. shortening distances and bp and throwing you know trying to get pitching machines at them at high high velocity and speeding up the game on them and just constantly having that eye that says this is too slow for how we're going to compete over there you know mm -hmm. so that was what it was all year and then we brought them up 
to once we finally got our team selected, we brought them up and did a uh, a week long uh, prep camp in Stuttgart where we played the Stuttgart Reds. Remember that club? Oh yeah, club? for sure. Yeah, and played some games against them. Played some games in Heidenheim against the uh, the German national team, which was great. It oh, that's great. Yep, yeah, to the uh, the level that we we're going to have to face in the classic, and um, it was a really good prep camp, best that I think I've ever been involved with. To, to be able to do that federation stepped up on that so and then when we got to the actual classic we drew uh spain first game and uh spain was loaded as as well like they had uh i think their shortstop was like one of those top 100 prospects okay um, they pitched a, a professional guy that like it was pitching in nicaragua at the time so we 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 fought them tooth and nail like i think the final score was five four we had the guy on second base to try to tie it up at the end of the game and just couldn't do it um so these guys like competed, competed, competed. We had a guy named uh, Justin Erasmus that um, came over from Australia. Like he had some pro experience with the Red Sox. I have to say that name sounds familiar. ABL. Did you ever do anything with the Australian Baseball League? ABL. Did you ever wind up getting over to Australia? I didn't. I I tried. I tried. Yeah. Um, but um, because um, when I was going, they wanted guys a little bit more, you know, U.S. professional or minor league experience, which I only had half a season, and then. Yeah. Um, I tried to get on one of their club teams, you know, that yep. was affiliated, but just um, never worked out. Tried to get to South Africa as well. Our, our one of our mutual friends, Joe Trusto, had played yeah. there, yeah. and uh, he he set me up with those guys. But they, funny enough, they ended up picking the guy, the pitcher from Regensburg, that Regensburg's import, who ended up facing and put us out of the semifinal. So he he got me twice. He got to go to South Africa and then beat me in the playoffs. <laughs> but um, but anyway, yeah, South. I would have I would have loved to have gone down there. I really wanted to, but just just didn't get the chance. I'll say this, like what my experience, because I played half a season in uh, Western Australia for a club called the Melville Braves, and uh, they've they become a powerhouse over there. But it, it changed how I looked at baseball, if that made sense. At that time, I hadn't really seen much international baseball. I was just used to what was in the U.S. And the Australians had so much grit and toughness and just the way they played uh, the game. I was so impressed with. And then I saw it again in South Africa just this rugby type mentality, you know, really mm -hmm. tough, tough players, blue collar players, like run through a brick wall for you type players. And uh, it made me um, really motivated to coach guys like that because they were raw. The South Africans, not the Australians. Australians are really good now. They are. Uh, yeah. There was a few import Australians, uh, at least one guy for Technica the year I was there in 2011 and check. He was, he was only yeah. 19 years old, I think too, but he was, yep. he was a stud. I just saw a kid get called up. He was here playing AAA against Nashville last week named Curtis Mead with the Rays. So he just got yeah. called up with the Rays third Oh, wow. They have, they have a few guys in Major League Baseball. Liam Hendricks is still up. And yeah. Really a, that a guy's story, man. He's such an yeah. inspiring. Awesome. Awesome, man. Yeah. But long story short, we, we, we finished uh, that game with Spain, and then we drew Germany the second game. And uh, – we were going toe to toe with Germany for you know the first five or six innings, and then uh, we just uh, love Grove pitch. He pitched brilliantly, and then he he reached pitch count limit, and then our bullpen just couldn't hold the the pro yeah. hitters that they had. So yeah. one of being like an eleven to five game or something, and we were done. I mean that was it. I remember mm. we we went into the the locker room after the game, and uh, I was choked up, man. I had a hard time talking to the team because I knew um, all the things that they go through and like they only really get to play in these big tournaments every couple years right you know and i felt that 
I was like, man, I wish we would at least won a game or I could, we could go further. And I know, like, because I've been with them, that they, the players themselves will go to international tournaments and pay for that trip. Oh, yeah. It's one of the only places I've ever experienced where the players pay out of pocket uh, thousands of dollars because they just want to play, you know? Yeah. So we've done that at Olympic qualifiers. And I was like, I just want to get you guys' money back for that trip, you know, because they get paid at the Classic and stuff. So stuff like that, man, it's, it's, it's really uh, – it's tough when they didn't get to the next level because you know they're going back to a tough environment um, to play in, and that that World Baseball Classic is like the mecca for them. Oh, for play. sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. So we'll see. Uh, hopefully, there's an invite to go back, and hopefully, the experience and some of the the players are still able and eligible to play in the next one and get over the hurdle because the Czech Republic finally did it, and it has done wonders for yeah. The- Republic. They were Exposed a surprise, to, yeah, yeah, in that tournament. Yeah, they beat China in a great game. They played toe to toe with uh, with um, Australia. They played a good game. They they played against Otani in Japan, and the J- Japanese crowds loved them. Yeah, you know, once they found out their story. So it's still the same goal with the South Africa team is like get them some much needed get them that exposure. exposure. Yeah, for that's, sure. That's yeah, like I mentioned, Joe. He was. Did you did you run across Joe um, at the? At the qualifier, because I know he yep. was on their coaching staff. He, I chatted yep. with him briefly about that experience in Japan. He said it was, he said it was unlike anything he'd, he'd experienced before. Yeah. He said the the passion for baseball in Japan and the um, just the excitement for that event and everybody coming to games. He said I, he said I've never he said I've never seen anything like this before. Yeah, and I'm really happy those guys got to experience that. You know, and Joe Joe's been with the national team for like a long time, so he's. He's put a lot of work into those guys. He's done a great job. That's that's part of just being professional. Like he's become like a full time trainer for yeah. their guys, and that that shows a country that is really dedicated to what needs to be done. Like here in AAA, we've got three, four guys constantly around the guys because they play six days a week, you know. And it's if you don't have those guys like Joe, like you cannot compete. Right. So yeah, Joe's been around the Czech baseball since oh six, yeah. oh five, Life six. Is. Yeah, he's yeah, he's he's talk I mean, I keep saying this over and over, but just uh, you know, good guy, good guy in the game. So yeah. many you run across so many good, yeah. you know, passionate people for the game when you're in Europe because yeah. uh like you said, passion is high, but the resources don't always match the passion. So exactly. Um exactly. A, t- a funny story. Uh did you know uh Prashima Paluk? He was a Polish guy. Yeah. When you were yeah, yeah. he was our catcher. So I know you we played against you guys, but um yeah. um he was a great guy. Again, just great guy. Um, but he, you know, the world baseball classic is a virtue of losing the Olympics, losing baseball as a, yeah. as a sport. And so Poland lost all of their funding from their government. And yeah. so I was talking to Khan Shimo, his nickname. And I was like, he was talking to me about, he was the manager for the Polish national team. I mean, he's like 24 years old and he's our catcher, you know, and he's the manager for the country's national team. And yeah. he's telling me these stories about how he tries to train his players and how they only have 15 baseballs because yeah. they, they can't afford anymore. And, yeah. like, and he's like, you're taking BP with 15 baseballs. He's yeah. Like, yeah. I was like, Oh my yeah. God. <laughs> like, like, I mean, my, my, like, like you said, travel ball and stuff, my travel ball teams would have hundreds of baseballs. Like, you know, we're just, yeah. we're just, we're just spoiled over here a little bit sometimes, but uh, I think that's maybe the theme of this conversation is just kind of the passion of the game for those guys. And, and then how much they, they really love it and how much of their heart and soul they put into it. 
Yeah, I love the name of what your your podcast is, man, because uh, it is like if you go to the, some of those more obscure countries, Poland and mm-hmm. Slovakia and Hungary and stuff, you're really on the back roads of baseball. Like for sure. Nope. And I've seen it in Africa, too. They'll just wherever they can find space, even if it's an old dirt, you know, beat up field, like they'll they'll make it into a baseball field and they'll play on it, you know, and they'll treat oh, yeah. it like treat it like, you know, gold. But I've seen it. So, yeah, like Poland. Uh, can you imagine that too? Like I'm, <laughs> you're hitting basically just potatoes and cement blocks at that point for right. practice. Too. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's pretty common. Like, uh, and then every once in a while, like you'll see, I think Slovakia just hosted an under 15. So like every, every country like is trying their best to build a facility and trying to get equipment and trying to get more baseballs. I mean, it's, we take it for granted a lot, I think, over here. I know I did. I did and too. Then I go over to Africa and Europe, and I'd be like, "We got to figure out how to get you guys some stuff." Yeah. You know? Every time I go there, I was like, "You just, we got to get you ball. We got to get you baseballs. You don't have any baseballs. That's crazy." Exactly. So that's that does put it in perspective. It's it's tough for them to 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 play a sport um, that just doesn't have the popularity where those things are easy. So you wanna you wanna do everything you can to. I mean, next time I go to South Africa, I want to bring them like eight loads of equipment, you know? Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. Want to do it. Like, yeah, if we can do it. And so. and that was another thing, just getting equipment. They, they didn't have any, like when I was in Czech Republic, they didn't have any Czech suppliers. Everything they yeah. got was from the States or somewhere. Yep. I mean, and so, you know, you talk about import costs and shipping and all that stuff. And yeah. Um, one of my good buddies, you, you probably know the name Martin Drong. Um, yeah. He's our shortstop yep. my year there. Again, yep. another just phenomenal human being. Um, yep. He uh he was a distributor for Brit, and so that he had like kind of filled that niche a little bit to where he was helping supplies to people. He, he uh I bought a glove from him. Uh, yeah, got arrows colors. So, but yeah, that guy he's the man. I mean, yeah, as we're as we're talking, man, I'm just thinking about all these names, and I'm like, man, I miss these guys. I got yeah. I got to yeah. reach back out and try to. He you know. he played with the the Czech national team for a while. He really, did. Like, tough yeah. nose, like in- oh yeah, yeah. Oh man, he's I've. I would say, I mean, of all the places that I played around the world in the States, college, pro ball, doesn't matter. He, no one ever played harder or was more committed. I mean, that guy was, he was yep. just hard nosed hundred percent of the time. Yep. Um, the, the checks, like I, I was in that same boat. Like we had a hard time just getting just materials and they've since then have done such a good job. And this is, this is just baseball marketing one-on-one of branding, the Czech Republic gear, you know, now you can buy mm. stuff off their website and they've done a oh, really that's great. good job with, with logos and stuff. Oh, so that's great. You, it's just like anything else. If you want to market something, you got to have a brand. So even when I was up in Sweden, they, uh, they didn't really have that much stuff. And now like there's really great gear that the players are wearing, the fans are wearing, you can buy it, you can get the hats. Like it's, it's, it's crucial, man. If you want following, you gotta, you know, look how many jerseys, and hats and stuff are sold in the U.S. for the team. So for sure. it's a, a country wants to brand itself uh, and make cool stuff for the the players and fans. It's it, it actually gives you so much exposure as well. It makes you look professional. Oh yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, for sure. I got love you. it. Yeah, love it. Uh, yeah, and I'm, I'm really glad to hear um, some of the stuff you're saying about some of the improvements and that stuff because those, I mean, those guys deserve it. So um yeah and as a scout now like I'm, I'm still fortunate to go around and see you know a lot of countries and a lot of talent and stuff and I, there's there's always this uh young talent 
that's coming out of Europe. So they're still doing things right. You know, Major League Baseball still got to touch on development of stuff and um, the 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 players. Like it's great to see when a player either goes here to the U.S. to college or gets signed. Or there was a French pitcher that just got drafted in the last draft in the twelfth round by the White Sox. Like for me, every European player that like is in a success story that can make something over here is. I think we all feel it because we kind of feel a part of this uh, European family. Yep. So yep. it's still growing. Yeah. Well, um, we'll wrap up here. I want to do a um, like a lightning round, just kind of the same few questions I ask everybody. Um, answer it however you want, not necessarily okay. tied to, you know, your experience in Europe or Africa, just whatever okay. comes to mind. Uh, but just some uh, kind of more foundational, I guess, questions. So uh, what's your earliest baseball memory? Uh, playing t-ball in Valley City, North Dakota, and getting uh, getting uh, at that time we were using rag balls. Remember mm. rag balls? Yeah, you know. And the yeah. coach giving me a rag ball, and his name was uh, Tim Pinky. I still remember. It. I was like five, and I kept that rag ball, and uh, I stick with I stuck with baseball for the next forty years. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, who introduced you to baseball? Uh, it started with my my parents. Um, I've got like photos, even like when I was like two or three like in a full baseball uniform so my dad was always a sports coach and my mom also coached so it was my dad uh, probably getting me into a wrestling uniform and a baseball uniform mm, nice yeah same here I, that's yeah. uh that's been I've, you're, you're the third interview i've done and all three people that answer is always dead <laughs> yeah it's a uh, that's us yeah <laughs> Well, hopefully one day you can be a big leaguer and then dad can retire. Early. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of these yeah. days. But um, so um, who is your who is your biggest role model? Um, I, I've got two brothers and uh, they they to this day are still my biggest role models. You know, just great human beings. And, uh, you know, call them whenever I need something and vice versa and stuff so growing up my older brother was a phenomenal athlete like he was all state in football he was a wrestling champion and uh he motivated me to be better in sports and, and different things too so my family in general but like my two brothers uh you know yeah. are, are my biggest role models yeah that's great yeah i have um i got two sisters i'm very close with as well um nice. i've been uh talking with them a lot recently between the two of them they have six kids so um wow we got our first one coming so i'm like all right i'm gonna talk to you guys a little bit more so, <laughs> you might need child yeah, rearing here advice, yeah. um, so what um what's been the most challenging moment of your baseball career um you know, I touched on a little bit with South Africa. I'm really trying to get those guys to the World Baseball Classic and getting getting them further. And it's just really, really been challenging, you know. And, like, so um, that's one of them. And then, you know, even myself, like, I'd like to be at a higher level of coaching. You know, I love scouting, but I also want to get into coaching more. And I'd love to be at a higher level either in the minor leagues or pro baseball. So, sure. Both of them are grinds. Like professional baseball is such a grind, and there's so many good coaches out there. And uh, I would still like to be one of them yeah. at a higher level. Yeah. Well, I will. Um, if, I will vouch for you at any point in time. You need. It, so man. don't don't. Uh, you always have a reference in in your back pocket if you need one. Um, so the flip side of that, what's been your most rewarding part of your baseball career? Um, I I think it goes just back as like a like the whole thing. The whole shebang, like I, I, I am so excited every year I get to go over and I'm, I'm so fortunate that I have a job and have had jobs that make me go over um, that now it's been 
you know, 30 plus baseball countries that I've got to see. And I've made these wonderful friends across the world, the players and, and other people with the organizations. It's, it's kind of a big picture thing for me. Mm-hmm. You know, I like, I, I can't wait to go back over and spend a little bit of time with, you know, my Swedish second family and the guys that I know in Germany and Czech and in France and uh, Belgium, these countries I've coached and stuff like they're just, they're, they're awesome people. And uh, because of baseball, I've gotten to become good friends with them. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah that's great. Yeah. Again, those relationships you build overseas are they're Absolutely. There's something different about it for some reason. I don't know what it is, but it's just yeah. it, it, the bond is there. Um, so uh, I counted quite a few on your uh, Facebook last night, but how many, how many MLB ballparks have you been to? You know what? I just looked this up because I, uh, I was curious myself. I went, to a Braves game last week. Braves are playing Brewers. I think I'm at 13. Oh, nice. Where I'm at. There you Do go. you know where you're at? Did you add them up? Oh, I have. I'm not that. I don't even think I'm at that many. I may yeah. be. I may only be at like five or six actually. Um, I, I want to go to Baltimore. Like you, you brought up Baltimore. I gotta. I gotta see Camden Yards. Yeah. And well, then, come on, man. Well, if you're here, you got a place to stay. You can hang out. I love it. Yeah, man. You get a free babysitter, and then. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe come come sometime next year, and we'll uh, do okay. ba- baby's first baseball game when you can come with I love us. Love it, yeah. Let's do it. Yeah, my no, my bucket list to go see a game is still like Japan. You know, oh I wish man, that, yeah. Wish that I could get over there one yeah. day, and, and I think I will. It'll yeah. it'll happen. I would. Um, my uh, my brother in law he he lives in Korea. Um, my yeah. wife my wife's Korean. Her folks are immigrated to the states, but nice. um. I want to go see a game in Korea. I keep telling them when we visit, we're definitely going in the spring and summer because I want to. Um, yeah, want to see a game in Korea. They have crazy atmospheres too. Looks like a lot of fun. I got um, to see um, with the French national team Korea. Like their stadiums are gorgeous. Like we were in Guangzhou for the. Um, it's called the University uh, Games, basically. So wonderful, man! If you get a chance to do it, you'll you'll see. Yeah, for sure. Um, let's see. So last. Oh, real quick! I saw you were down at the Embrave Stadium in Jackson. That's my old stomping grounds. That's where I was born. <laughs> Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, I saw that last night. I was like, "Oh man!" Well, you, I think I said like you were there maybe in April of last year. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yep. I was like, "Oh, Andy was in Jackson. That's good for him, man." Um, yeah, it was fun. Man. My, yeah. Minor league baseball, like I, I'm entrenched in it now, <clears throat> and I, there's just something about it too. It's, it's kind of got that European feel where it's just a little bit more you know, fan friendly a little bit and like, Oh yeah. Pulling for the guys to make it to the show. Yeah. It's easy to pull for those guys on the field too. Exactly. Yeah. You know, they're fighting, they're fighting every oh, day yeah. to try to get the call. So, oh, yeah. and you, and you remember what that's like, <laughs> you know, like, oh, yeah. I mean, man. Um, so last, last one is, uh, what advice would you give to someone who wants to pursue a career in baseball? Oh man, that's a, that's a really good question. Um, uh, I, I think, I think you have to have this internal, internal passion that just will never go away mm. you know and i think yeah. once you have it um you know like you said you took a, a break from it but like it's hard hard when the passion just like is inside that you just you know you want want to keep going with it so the the passion just continues to push you to what you know you you want to do like i wanted to coach high level baseball i wanted to see the world and I wanted to impact players. So if that is what you know you want to do, you know, and you kind of write down some goals of how you can do it and how you can get there, and you just you just hammer away at that that every day. So yeah. it's it's a lot of work. It's a lot of hours. It's a lot of commitment. It's a lot of travel. It's a lot of sacrifice for what I was trying to do. And uh, 
I wouldn't trade it for the world, but you gotta, you gotta put the work in if you want to get to the highest level. Yep. Well said. Well said. Well, Hey man, I really appreciate taking yeah. the time. This has been a blast catching up. Um, yeah. I didn't realize it had been so long when I reached out to see if you want to do the interview, but, um, I know you travel a lot. So if you find yourself in this area, man, please, please look yeah. me up. We'll grab dinner. And if it's in a, if it's in season, we'll catch a game. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it would be Love great it. to see you in person and catch up. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I really appreciate you taking the time today. Yeah, no problem at all, man. Good luck with everything you got going on. And, uh, you know, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll see each other on a baseball field somewhere. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. Hope all right. so. All right. All right. Take it easy, brother. Okay, Thanks yeah. a lot. Yep. You Bye. got it. Thanks again to Andy for joining us on the podcast today. I really enjoyed that conversation and it was great to catch up. Remember, if you haven't already, please subscribe to the podcast and follow us on Instagram at Baseball Backroads. Thanks for listening and we'll see you on the Backroads.